You're having a threesome with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers. And now, it's complicated. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. And I am Rob. So you know how you ask your friends where you should take your first date? What on earth this text means? And if it's okay to post a certain pic on the socials? Well, that's what we call your village, and we think you can't date or relate without them. Welcome to our village, and you should be pumped to be here because we are bringing you expert guests who are filled with all the answers that will take some of the guessing out of the game. Make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends so we can help the village grow even bigger. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your pods, and don't forget to tell a friend. What is self-love? And aren't we supposed to love ourselves for who we truly are? In today's world, loving yourself can be harder than ever. It's not just the movie stars that are glamorous and flaw-free anymore. It seems like every man, woman, and occasional child has found some sort of new filter, some new beauty product to endorse, or some video dance that makes them stand out for the rest. How are us normal people supposed to compete? And how far do we take the lies that come with social media and dating apps to get ahead? Jen, it is well documented on this show that I am not very comfortable selling myself to the strangers out there. Being someone who has been in this game on a deeper level than myself for quite some time, where do you draw the line between self-love and self-promotion? Oh, good question, Rob. I struggle with this often because I feel like as a girl in LA, it's really challenging to stand out when there are Instagram models, there's actresses, there's all these people. And I know you feel similarly like from your end, but it's a thing I grapple with where I'm like, okay, should I do the gratuitous like bikini photo first? Or should I lead with like what I normally am like, which is a person wearing clothing. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm also not a person that believes in Facetune. I'm like, you know what? If I want to Facetune a photo, I should probably just not post that photo. Maybe I should work on working out or getting a facial or learning how to put on makeup better or whatever the case may be. I'm just not a big person that believes in showing anything that's fraudulent in any way. I actually have a friend that, or acquaintance, let's say, that looks very different than her photos on on Instagram and she's an influencer. And I happened to cross her path on Raya because you can look at like who's nearby. And so you can Mm. see male and female. So I clicked into her profile. I'm like, let me see what this girl's putting out there on her dating profile. Boy, are these photoshopped images so extreme. I'm like, she looks like a runway model. And this is what I'm up against because I know what she looks like in person. So if she's putting that out there that she looks like this. She's probably getting swiped on more. She's probably getting more dates than I am. Sure, they then see her in person and probably realize the discrepancy. But I don't even know if they care at that point. I truly don't know what's what. But I feel I have to be who I am because that's what I want to attract And so I try and stick to what's true. I don't know if that's helpful or not. In my case, it doesn't seem to be working for me, but one day it'll pay off. I think the truth is what will set me free. What? Well, good. I mean, the the truth should always be there. But like, I feel like back in the day, people were surprised by the lies. You know, like they were like, oh my God, that dude's not really 6'1", or that girl's not really... 35 or 20, well, that's 25 catfishing, just like this right. is like filters, all that stuff. It's, it's lying. But I feel like it's more accepted now. Like you, you, like there, you understand as somebody like out there on those dating sites and everything that you're probably going to be getting lied to 30% of what the profile is. Right. And unless they like full throw like full truth, which is your hating of the fish. And the, um, you know, I don't know, older 55 year olds that actually show that what they are at 55. But like, I feel like from what I'm hearing from friends, like everybody kind of just everybody's doing it. So everybody expects it. Your friend, the supermodel that's on her dating app probably is aware that she's going to have to explain herself when she gets to that date. Like it's probably part of her dating process at this point. I truly don't know. I I mean, I think what you're saying is true that it is more acceptable. And I think it's feeding into each other. Maybe, maybe not acceptable. Maybe, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe not acceptable, maybe more expected. Sure. 
Definitely expected. So I'll give you an example. And again, not that I agree with this at all, and you'll hear my response to this person, but oftentimes an app will be glitchy because it connects to Facebook or it connects to something else and they pull your data like through the API. But then somebody might correct their profile in their bio and say like, actually, the app says I'm 47, but I'm actually 49. So they might correct themselves, which I respect because they're putting the truth back out there. But I've actually seen it the other way where someone's app was super young or whatever. And then we started chatting and they're like, hey, by the way, I'm actually this. And I'm like, so why didn't you put that on your bio? Like, why are you telling me that now? And did you really want to start this off with lies? I I just don't really understand. He actually said, he's like, my friends told me that I should put a different age so I could reel people in and then be honest with them after. But to attract higher or lower. It was lower. lower. Oh, oh, he put lower. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Younger. And so I was like, I think your friends are wrong in their guidance of like lying and attracting people because it's not an attractive quality to be somebody that's scheming from the get go. So if you're having trouble attracting younger people, maybe your age range should be like that you're looking for older gals. Like I'm not sure what to tell you. This this comes back to the whole self-love thing because- it is hard to promote yourself and 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 you and there's so much competition out there about what things I mean what's that there's that like TikTok um uh Instagram meme thing going around where it's like that's not my face this is my face you know you've seen that one where it's like yeah. completely changes the way somebody looks and people are starting to call it out now because it's getting a little too much but some people are so insecure about either getting followers or getting people to like them or, I mean, listen, again, La La Land, we live in this city. Everybody in this city is very insecure and it breeds it. it it's like a virus. It's like the, it's like fucking COVID. Like it just spreads. It spreads around the city insecurity. Right. And then you try to get one up on somebody else. So it, but I guess it all comes back down to self-love, which is, I don't know. I, I don't know where that fits in on the actual hooking the fish, like getting the person in the boat. Well, I think that we're probably going to find that out today, but if you come from a strong foundation of self-love, you're probably radiating what it is you want to attract and filtering out anything that doesn't fit because you have some sort of integrity system, I would say, and you value yourself. Again, Mm -hmm. self-love, I think, is that like enigma that everyone says, but no one really describes in a way that's super tangible. Like, everyone thinks they love themselves. They're like, of course I do. I'm my biggest fan. But ultimately that's not really the truth because even like you, the way you talk about yourself and why you're not on the apps and why you're not dating right now and all of the reasons that you give, which could be excuses, could be fear, but all of it has to do with how you feel about yourself at the end of the day. So like you could say it's because you want to move or whatever, but. No, I'm very, I'm very honest that like, I, I've said a million times that I feel like I, I need to put in the effort that somebody else is putting in, you know, and listen, if I meet somebody, I love myself. I'm not proud of how I've let myself go on the outward side, but on the inside, I know I'm a fucking good person and I know that I have great morals for me, you know, and I think that I, I like on the inside, I, I do a lot of the work. I work on my inside. Now I just need to work on my outside and then I'll feel, you know, a hundred percent prepared to put myself out there for somebody else. You know, isn't that such a shame? The fact that we even care about the outside and like people are manipulating it and doing all these things and we can have surgery and you can add a filter and you can like, I just made an appointment for Botox and I'm like, great. I can check that off the list of things to do. I have a hair appointment coming up and it's all these things to make my exterior look better, but nothing I'm doing is actually changing my dating. Yeah, but what can I ask you? Why? Like, I, I guess, look, I'm in the entertainment industry. I hate watching myself on TV. I hate it. I have like flaws that I pick out. You you saw me on a show the other night and you were like, you're fucking insane. That's you don't look any different than you do in real life. But I see things, you know, so <laughs> I understand when like you see well, listen, that. when you have to not many people in this country have to look at themselves work. And a lot of the times if you had to watch yourself work. You would probably see things. Maybe it's your posture. Maybe it's your the way your hair looks. Maybe it's your wrinkles. Whatever it is, you ha- you don't have to sit there and look at yourself like we do. And then you also don't get your jobs based on how you look. Also, 
So like not being in the industry and being on the other side of it as you are, why do you feel like you need to do Botox? I don't see anything that needs Botoxing, but like you're not even you're not even in the industry where your 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 money, your finances depend on your appearance. You well, know what I mean? Well, you're actually thank you for saying I don't need Botoxing, but uh, I actually am in a nationwide commercial, Rob, and I had a conversation <laughs> on my date last night because he's like, I saw you on my TV and I was trying to place it, and I was like. He said, I know I've seen you on apps before, but this wasn't connecting for me because it was like out of context that I saw you on my TV. And I was really just like, is that her? And I said to him, similarly to how you give disclaimers about you on TV and you're like, don't watch it. I was puffy and I had a pimple and I was out the (laughs) night before and all of these disclaimers to like prevent anybody from judging the way you looked in the way that you judge the way you look. And I said to him very similarly, I was way tanner than I normally am. I just gotten back from Mexico. My face was super puffy. My hair was super straight. I didn't look like myself. It's a miracle you even picked me out of a lineup. And at the end of the day, I was cast. I was I'm the one on national TV and someone yeah. somewhere thought that I looked good. So, why I had to give a disclaimer and it's like, "No, just bravo. Take the like compliment. I'm on TV. Cool." He also complimented my voice and I'm like, "I don't hear it. To me it just sounds like yeah, but I, I, but in general, you don't do that. In general, you're not basing your your entire life no. livelihood off of your appearance. No, you know. So like, what, so back to self love. Even outside of the apps and everything, why would you go do that? Just because society thinks this is how you should look? I think yeah, it's that. If everybody stopped getting Botox and everyone stopped dyeing their hair and everyone stopped doing these things and stopped having surgery and pretending that it's because they work out hard and ate food, then I don't think anybody else would actually go out and do that because you wouldn't feel like you have to keep up with the Joneses. You would just be like, well, that's normal. Just like similarly to like when everyone was wearing masks, like, okay, well now I don't feel like I'm the weirdo wearing a mask or the weirdo asking people to get tested before they come over or because everyone was doing that. That was just protocol. Now I'm like, if everybody stopped getting Botox, then I too would stop getting Botox because who cares if I had lines that just be what people that 30 were 37 looked like. So it's not for you. It's to, to fit in. Sure. It's to fit in. And because you can't help but have your self-love dependent upon how you compare yourself because the the goal would obviously be not to do that. You would want to be like, okay, I am me. I'm on my path. This is how I look and this is how I am. And I'm great just as is. I think that's probably the definition of self-love, loving yourself as is. But it's hard to love yourself when you see someone else who looks a certain way or does a certain thing, getting more of whatever it is you want. Do you think that mortality has anything to do with it? Like For me, you, you no. get older, you get older, you see more wrinkles and you're like, holy shit, I don't look like I did when I was 25, you know? And then you're like, oh, I'm get, like, death is slowly creeping up on my doorstep. Like, do you, th- does that have anything to do with it? You're like, fuck, I'm getting, I'm looking old or older, or is it just based like pure vanity? It's vanity. Cause I don't think about death really. I just think about like, did I, am I not cute anymore? Is that like what's happening here? Did I miss my prime and I wasted it like with a dumb guy in my twenties and having to get over it in my thirties. And now I'm 37 and wrinkly and not hot anymore and not at clubs. And so no one's finding me. Listen, I used to go out. It sounds like like this guy, it sounds like Rob Mack, our, our guest today. It sounds like he has a lot of fucking work to do with the two of us. A lot. A lot. And he is here to help us find love from the inside out. And I think that's going to maybe help with both of the things that we think about actually on our exteriors. Because as people go, we're pretty great, if I can say so myself. Um, But he's going to help us figure out the rest of it, what we can't figure out. So Robert is an Ivy League educated positive psychology expert, celebrity happiness coach, executive coach, and author. He is one of the world's leading experts on the relationship between happiness and success. He helps individuals and organizations achieve an energizing balance of authentic personal happiness and effortless professional success based on time-tested face-valid, empirical data, and timeless transcendental wisdom. Robert studied under the direction of Martin Seligman, we'll just say that, the founder of positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, Go Philadelphia. 
UPenn is the only institution in the world to offer a master's degree in applied positive psychology. His work has been endorsed by Oprah, just Oprah, no big deal, Vanessa Williams, and many others. And he's been seen on Good Morning America, The Today Show, Access Hollywood, E, Own, GQ, Self, Health, Cosmopolitan, Glamour, and now it's complicated. Jesus. Robert's first book, Happiness from the Inside Out, The Art of Science and Fulfillment, delivers a simple-to-follow instruction manual based in both science and personal experience for living a happier, healthier, and wealthier life starting today. He describes eight tried-and-true principles for realizing unconditional happiness and achieving the unparalleled success that comes with it. With a little effort, anyone, regardless of current circumstances, can discover new levels of joy and contentment on the inside and live a wonderfully prosperous and abundant life on the outside. He splits his time between Miami and L.A., just like me, and today he's going to teach us lessons and inspiration for loving ourselves, our lives, and each other. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. I think Very excited to have you. Very excited to have it's, you on. It's sparking joy and all of the happiness, <laughs> and we are very much in need of some help with some self-love because- yeah. We, we, we have some issues. <laughs> as far as, <laughs> Welcome to the human race party again. Yes, we all have issues. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's just that we're also like one of these podcasts where we're both single and like, I'm, you know, in my 40s. I'm in my mid 40s and Jen is uh, not in her mid 40s, but also not in her early 30s. So like we're, we're in this like time where we're trying to figure out like what's important and all that other stuff and how do we get in the game and uh it's just a lot you have a lot to you have a lot to fix in the next like, <laughs> I, love, well, I, I must say you both look incredible so i know not everybody can see it but oh. you look incredible so that's um a great first start thank isn't you it? yeah thank, thank you very you. much that's all we needed this podcast is now over <laughs> all right done that was that's that's all about the ego stroke done we got our validation it's done right. I so like i will it. cancel my botox appointment thank you robert <laughs> i will put that money back in the bank account so we ask everybody who comes on the show what is your status are you single taken or it's complicated i'm single and i love being single but i'm single yeah all right yeah. we haven't had all a right, single well, in a while no we have not just us so good <laughs> Yeah. Well, a single expert. We haven't had like a single, like a professional person come on the podcast who is single, who is navigating, I'm guessing, still navigating the dating world, right? Yeah. Are you doing yeah, that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I get what you mean. I mean, I think a lot of people ask me, wait, you're like a dating coach, relationship coach, or love coach, or a happiness coach, and you're single? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's where the best data comes from, first of all. But I think, um, yeah. secondly, I, I enjoy, I enjoy being in relationships, but I also enjoy being single, like a lot. Um, I'm an introvert by nature, um, and I enjoy my own company a whole lot. I think that's critical. You know, if you want to enjoy your togetherness, you have to know how to enjoy your aloneness. Um, mm -hmm. I really enjoy my aloneness. I think you and I are going to have a lot in common, but that, that begs the question, did you start enjoying your aloneness after you went out and did all this research and went to school? By the way, you have Penn. I'm from Philly, oh, so love it. I love it. Brotherly love. Um, but like, did you, now, are you sick of people? Are you sick of everybody? Oh, so now you're like, <laughs> I'm going to stay home alone. Good question, Get me the Rob. fuck away from people. Yeah. Good. Well, so I, you know, ever since I was really small, I liked being alone. I mean, you know, uh, growing up, I think it could be stressful, particularly for some of us. It was stressful for me growing up. And when I was alone, I just felt at ease, you know, and that's always continued throughout my life. So there's that. Um, I love people. I genuinely love people. I, but I talk to people so much all day, every day, and even more so during the last couple of years because, you know, folks are really struggling and I love being helpful. Um, but I will say that people can wear you out. <laughs> Paul Sarte said, you know, hell is other people. And sometimes that's absolutely true. Um, you know, I love stillness and I love silence. I mean, it's just so sweet. I never thought I'd probably ever say that, you know, when I was a kid, I never thought that'd be something I'd say, but I have to say that I do love the stillness and silence and aloneness that I get to experience. I love people, but yes, certainly sometimes people can be absolutely exhausting and, uh, mind-blowingly irritating. So now you like being alone, but does that mean that you're not actively trying to date or are you on the apps going out in you're currently in where Miami? I'm in Miami. Yeah. I'm in Miami. I go back and forth between Miami and LA. Um, I was sort of spending a lot more time in LA during the first half of the pandemic, more so in Miami, the second half here. And, um, 
Yeah, I love both cities, but both cities are different. Very different. Very different. Yeah. But so are you on the apps? Are you trying to date or you're just like, nah, I'm good for now. Single is it? Yeah, I sort of enjoy wherever I am. I think that is a cheat code, a master key for me is like presence. So the key for me is just to enjoy wherever I am as deeply as humanly possible without attaching it to anybody or anything. And then I find that the right people and the right opportunities just show up and unfold organically. That's just a critical thing mm. for me. I mean, and even if they don't, I'm happy. And that's sort of the point of it anyway. Everything else is icing on the cake. Well, that's what you're doing, right? You're putting that energy out there. You're putting that positive energy. It doesn't matter where you put that energy. You could be standing in the middle of a forest and put that positive energy out there. And you're going to attract good things to you. Totally. Right? It, it's so funny that you're like, <laughs> is your middle name Jen by any chance? <laughs> because right. you're, like the perfect, you're like the perfect combination of like... We're, I was saying that I like to be alone and I'm happy being alone now. And the pandemic taught me anything is that I'm okay by myself. And then you're like, you're Jen in the sense that like you're, when you are trying to date, you're in LA and Miami. Oh my God, it's <laughs> true. It's like, I'm the baby that would result from you two getting together. <laughs> Only I came out brown. <laughs> no, but you know what? Today that would check. It would just make sense if that happened. So I always say that I like dating in Miami because I land and I'm more popular for whatever reason. And I think there is something to dating in different cities. There's different personalities. There's different goals in different cities and people have different aspirations. And so I also think there's just like generally, I think people in Miami want to settle down, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't lived there in 15 years, but when I do arrive in Miami, I'm very popular. And I think to what we were saying about LA being full of filters and all of this stuff, while Miami has a lot of that too, and plastic surgery and everyone's got a fake butt and everyone's got a tan and all this stuff, I might be like the girl next door or something. And they're like, mm. oh my goodness, a real person landed in Miami. We need to marry her. And I'm like, okay, slow down, get in line. Get in line, everybody. I'll be there for three weeks in May. So I think it's that. And maybe that's why I might be a 10 for a different reason in Miami. As far as, I mean, but we were talking about with frequencies and positive energy, right? The pod taking the, the positive of that's what your book is about and your studies at, at UPenn, right? Yeah. It's the putting the positive energy out there with dating. But maybe you, when you land, Jen, you have this expectation in your head already that you're going to blow up. And you're going to be having guys waiting in line. So that's why it happens. You know, you, you're manifesting that there. Whereas here, you feel like you're in the back of the line or you have to like put up with the people that are, Rob, what do you weigh in on that? Yeah. So I agree with you both. Like I would definitely, so emotional contagions uh, is a real thing, right? Like emotions are contagious. They're infectious. We know that we can pass it through a screen, video screen, across the world, 3,000 miles away, 10,000 miles away. You can pass it across the room with a glance. You know, people can actually pick up on your emotions through a text message, right? So it's, it's, it's a real thing. So if you feel more tapped in, tuned in, turned on, and you just feel hot mm -hmm. in a specific city, people are going to feel that. It registers, right? So for sure on that, there's no question about it. Um, I think that's part of um, my experience too, is that there are just certain cities that make me feel uh, sort of just more uh, tapped in. And I just feel, you know, at least maybe more fun or sexy or whatever it is. There's that. Also, I think every city has a different personality, right? That too. And they're just sort of like, um, I don't know if it's just an aesthetic. Um, it might be values. It might be lifestyle that certain cities sort of, you know, just are better aligned with your own personal, um, with your personality or your signature sort of strengths or gifts. So I think there's that too. Um, so I think all those things play in together, but I will say, Ever since the first time I visited Miami, I always just felt like, oh, this is the place for me. You know, I could just be happy here making no money at all as opposed to living somewhere else and making, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and it's always sort of borne fruit that way. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, um, but both of you in, in that respect. There's something special, I think, about certain cities. And we each have a city that we feel most compatible with. Yeah, yeah I'm thinking about moving to, to a city that has being married and having a family is is more, is higher up on the list than other things, you know, then, you know, when I went to go visit back in October, all the people I hung out with were about my age, if not younger, I'm 45. And they had at least one kid that was under the age of, you know, six, and they still went out. And the bars are even like, this is Austin I'm talking about, but the bars are even targeted towards young parents, young parents, 
you know, like your kid can come play over here and you can have beer over here and like craft beer over here, like that kind of thing, you know? Huh? Well, I mean, nobody's getting wasted and like throwing their kid. I mean, I'm sure there's one, Jen, always throwing something in. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's fascinating. So, so what, why, what do I don't, I don't think we already talked about this, but why, why do you think you are? still single is a choice obviously or do you think that you are you know just getting more research yeah. under your belt before you settle down yeah. sometimes I, I love that question so much because it's one i think um lots of us get asked probably a lot of women get i think generally in terms of my clients get asked that a lot more than the men um and um that being said that's it for me it's kind of like asking someone why are you so healthy <laughs> why are you so healthy you know if, if i was miserable and single i'd say that would be a challenge and a problem. I think I'm single for the most part because I enjoy it. Um, probably number one. Um, number two, like I work a lot of hours, like a lot of hours. And so it takes a special someone to really um, appreciate that, accept that. Um, I get up 3.30 a.m. every day, um, you know, and so if I'm not sort of working or working out, then I don't even have a ton of bandwidth, like psychologically, emotionally um, left over for a whole lot of like socialization. Now I do make room for that. It generally happens on the weekends. So I think the combination of sort of values, lifestyle, I enjoy being single. Um, I think those things all sort of play together to create the perfect storm um, as it may be to be single. Um, yeah. Do you think that people kind of get intimidated by you if they're dating you because you might be coaching them in some way or you've got all of this knowledge or are they using you as a resource or is it something that doesn't really resonate and come up at all? You all are just experts, man. You ask the best questions. It's true. I, I, yes, that used to be a real, that's why I really don't talk too much right away about what I do. Um, for sure. Mm. Like if I, if, and when, you know, I'm especially focusing on like the love coaching thing. Because really by trade, I'm a positive psychology expert, right? And a lot of my work, I mean, at least half my, more than half my clients are probably executives and entrepreneurs. Um, the other half are aspiring entertainers or entertainers or athletes, right? And then you've got, you know, folks like um, myself who are just, you know, everyday people. And so most of that work isn't about um, sort of dating specifically. It might be about relationship stuff, but it's about all kinds of other things. But nonetheless, if I'm happy to be doing let's say it's a podcast or I'm doing a TV show or something like that. That's um, where I'm sort of a regular on and it's a sort of dating and love and relationship focused kind of role. Then yeah, people are all of a sudden like you're a dating coach, you're a relationship coach. Are you like psychoanalyzing right, right now? Or like, I don't mm-hmm. want to get it wrong or, you know, you must have all the answers. So it can go in all kinds of directions. So that can get in the way and sort of be a stumbling block in terms of your own dating and relationship life for sure. Um, that's been less the case, I think, as I've gotten older and or wiser um, and mm. uh, about sort of, you know, and more also authentic in terms of like what exactly I do. Before I would just say, yeah, I'm a dating relationship coach when they'd ask, but I'd say, well, yeah, that's part of what I do, but I'm really a positive psychology expert. Um, and that's just a small little slice. Oh, I like the rebranding of that. That's <laughs> yeah. I was called a dating narc on a date because he's like, are you going to talk about me on the podcast? You are obviously analyzing me and taking notes so that you're going to talk about me. And I was like, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're talking about him on the podcast. He's right. Well, yeah, because he's an idiot and called me a dating narc and then proceeded to drink two bottles of sake and sweat profusely. It was embarrassing. He was just calling it as he sees it, obviously. I'm not he's, a dating he narc. He nailed it. He nailed it, narc. Dating oh, narc. Snap. You know, it's so funny. I um, I have to say that there is value in just a yes and because I have there was a period mm-hmm. of time when I would just say absolutely. And right now, I'm starting. I started a file on you, and I will be maintaining a you know <laughs> profile. <laughs> you know, pro- profiling you right now as we speak. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I'm. It's funny that you have that experience. I would imagine that you have that experience a lot. I mean, it's sort of like the beauty and the blessing and the curse, of course, of being known for what you do. Before we continue with the show, we wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. Through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. 
A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program, and more than 60% of users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash Believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash Believe, B-L-E-A-V. Well, I want to, speaking of, speaking of known for what you do, I want to get more into this positive psychology because that you're an expert at, but also like, that's the basis for everything, right? So like you even saying that, yeah, I'm a dating coach, but I'm more of a positive psychology expert is the foundation for everything else that comes out of it. That's right. So do you, do you, you take on, like, obviously you wrote a lot of books and you've been on TV and you're go-to for certain TV shows as far as like how to get back in the game and that kind of stuff. But like, do you take on specific clients and then say, I'm taking you on because I need to fix your, your like psychology? Or is it like, we just have to break it down and start when I was, when I went to theater school, back at Sarah. I went to Syracuse, oh, right? And I went to theater school at Syracuse. Yeah, go Orangeman. But like we had this thing called core where the very first year that you were there, they broke you down and erased everything you thought you knew to build them up in their training. So it's, is that, is that something you do with your clients? Do you break them down and you're like, we need to, we need to start at a positive foundation? Great question. So um, I wouldn't say that I break them down. However, I am a strong believer in deprogramming for sure. Like, you know, not, and not Mm. replacing that program with a new program that I've come up with that I think is just better, you know, somehow more productive or something. So yes, to that end, yes. I think what gets in the way of most of us being happy is our ideas about being happy. What gets in the way is of, of us sort of, you know, being in love or enjoying relationship is our ideas about love and our ideas about relationships. And that's extraordinarily problematic. We want to explore that. And when possible, we want to let go of those ideas you know, like this thing or person that we think is an opportunity for us to be happier later is actually an obstacle to being happy now, right? So mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. So yes, that's a lot of what I do. Wait, yeah. I have to say something about that because I obviously am 37 and single and I have so many friends now that are married with two kids and we're the same age and they're doing a different phase of their life. And I'm like, okay, so how can I not do the comparathon? Because I'm looking at my life and it's not what I thought it would be because when you're little, you see you're, you go to school, then you go to college, then you get a job, then you get married, you have kids. And by 30, you're a full adult, you own property, and then you just get old together. So I am clearly not on that path. And I have people around me that are. And I talk to my best friends about it all the time. And I'm like, yeah, it's just the one thing that I'm lacking. Everything else is so great. It's all, you know, I make great money. I have this podcast. I do all these things. I have a dog. I have friends. I travel. I do whatever I want. I need nothing from anybody. I live a great life. Except for this one thing that I cannot figure out. I cannot crack the code to finding a relationship that would make me happy. Not not just a companion and not settling, but a real partner that I want to do life with forever until we die. And they're like, you know what? The truth is, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. At the end of the day, I still need my girlfriends. I still need my friend time. Sometimes I want to kill my husband. Sometimes he wants to kill me. Sometimes I'm like, are we even going to stay married? Like literally, I want to move out. (laughs) And it's just the ebbs and flows of having life and a partnership and staying in love and making it work because that still takes work. You have to make time for your relationship. Even when you're married, then you have these kids that take up all this time in your jobs and all these things. And sometimes they're like, we want to go away without our husbands. Let's go on a wine trip. And I'm like, really? Are you sure? And they're like, we need our human adult female friend time. And they're also like, actually, when our husbands die, can we make a pact that we all live together like the Golden Girls? I'm like, this Jesus, is your friends are talking about killing their husbands a lot. <laughs> not killing them, like fully killing them. But if they die, that's just- <laughs> Fully killing them, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, just if they like get exhausted and die, that's what happens. So I, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting that they're like excited about our friendship and our longevity, and I'm over here like, but where is my partner in life? They're like, we're it. Where your? Where's the husband that I can kill and run away from and go drink wine and everything? <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't have a target. Where's my target? Yeah. <laughs> Where's right. my target? We'll find you a target. But so for me, I'm like not used to seeing it from the other side because they're giving the truth about what it is to really be in that phase of your life. And they're like, it's not just you ride into the sunset in a Hallmark movie. There's other problems that ensue when you're there. So mm-hmm. just know that it's not sunshine and rainbows. So- like they're excited about their time with me. And I'm like excited about what the future might bring with somebody else. And they're like, no, 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 this is actually it. Totally. You know, you nailed it. I mean, and so much of the work um, of positive psychology. So positive psychology is like this 20 year old science. It's an Ivy league science. It's all about what makes life worth living. It's really the study of happiness and success. Okay. And it has an entire, like there's so much to say about what you just shared, like so much to unpack. The one thing I'll say is it's a lot. Yes. That, yes, it is a lot. Um, and in the best ways possible, right? It's like the hedonic treadmill, hedonic ad- adaptation is real, right? So all of us adjust to even the best and the worst of circumstances in such a way that our happiness level basically returns to its baseline level no matter what, right? So we know from studies from folks that, you know, have unfortunately become paralyzed, the quadriplegics. And we know that most of us would think, oh my goodness, if that happened to any of us, we'd be devastated. We'd never be quite as happy as we were before the accident. And yet we find that not to be the case. That of course you experience, you know, a dip in your happiness after the event happens, but then after a short period after that, you return to your baseline level again. But also same with lottery winners, right? They experience a slight increase with all the, you know, the windfall and then quickly they return to their baseline level. That's also true with relationships, right? So most of us think, oh my gosh, if I get into a relationship, I'm definitely going to be happier, especially if I get married. Oh dear God. And have kids. Like, I'm going to be happier for it. And most of us at this age have been disabused of that a little bit. But what we find is that when you first get married, there's a slight increase in your happiness level, the honeymoon effect. And then you quickly return back down to your baseline level. And sometimes, often, for many of us, we slip much you know, farther below that. With the first kid, there's not really a huge bump in your happiness level when you have the first kid. There's actually a dip in your happiness level when you have the first kid. And when you have the second kid... It's a statistically significant dip or decrease in your happiness level. And your happiness level then doesn't return to its baseline level until those kids leave the house. So these days it could be 18 years of age or 55. Who knows, right? So people don't really always love hearing that. And that's not a reason and that's not an intention to discourage people from getting married or from having kids. But the truth is we adjust to everything. You take yourself with you wherever you go. The hedonic treadmill is real. Everything wears out and fades. And so if you're seeking happiness in other people, places, or things, you're looking in the wrong place and you will forever find yourself mostly somewhat unhappy. Yeah. Which is why you, you know, they say you got to love yourself because ultimately it comes all back to yourself, right? Yes. So bringing that in, I heard you mention, um, quote Abraham Hicks before too, which is great because she says that you do your thing. You, whenever you have an an impression about something, you let it go, let it go into the universe. Whatever it is, is going to come back to you is going to come back. But you have to have the foundation and, and the love for yourself first for anything to work. But we were talking earlier about, you know, the dating apps and then self-love is such a tough thing right now. People have filters all over the place. People are lying all over the place. Like you can say that you love each I have friends that are like the biggest yoga instructing, meditative, you know, love spirituality and the earth people. But they're constantly on social media, putting it out there. And it's not because they're trying to spread the love to as much people as possible. It's because they want that validation yeah. as much. Yeah. They're like, show the world. Look at me. I'm I'm meditating. And it's like, if you were fucking meditating, you'd be in a corner with your eyes shut and your mouth shut, <laughs> not posting fucking social media. It's true. Last thing you'd be thinking about is taking a picture or video of it. How far do you think this is going to go? Like, are we just in the beginning? Is it going to get worse? I mean, we're about to go into a whole fucking meta universe where we're not even going to be on, like, that's not even going to be us in the fucking, for real. Yeah. You know, we're going to be sitting in our rooms with a mask on our face. 
So yeah, what you- my meta avatar is going to be like fully Botoxed. My, <laughs> my eyelashes will be longer. I will be hair and makeup ready at all times. You want to go if your meta? Face? If your meta avatar needs Botox, you're doing something fucking wrong. <laughs> if your meta avatar is getting older, then there's something wrong with your meta avatar. No, I'm just saying it will look like I'm permanently Botoxed because like my face will be perfect. I actually had an idea for a dating app a long, long time ago that was AI dating where you could just date from your couch and be in technically the metaverse and not have to leave your house. Like you throw on your little avatar outfit and you go have a date with somebody. You don't waste time. You just get it done. No one spends money. No one's really bent out of shape. If it doesn't go wrong, like you could just eject and leave that universe and be like, but that's what we're kind of doing. Which which goes back to my question for Rob, which is, you know, where is this going? Where the, the, the self-love is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and the fake personality or fake profile or fake whatever the lies is getting more and more and more. Is it going to stop or is it going to get worse? And how do you how do you work in the self-love with that? Gosh, great question. Um, I would say that it's sort of like the income gap. I mean, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, the income gap gets bigger and bigger, right? That's the same case here. So it depends on who you ask, in other words. So for lots of people, you're absolutely right. If you're in the simulation, in the matrix, like most of us are, and you don't recognize that you're in the simulation and the matrix, you just go deeper into the simulation and the matrix, and you therefore become more and more and more unconscious and self-absorbed in a way that is not healthy or productive. However, if you're aware that you're already in a simulation of sorts and a matrix of sorts, you become more and more conscious, really. And therefore, you know, your life gets, quote unquote, better in that way. You feel happier, you feel more love, you feel more joy, you feel more peace. And so I'd say that it's really a question at this point of just how, what side of the fence that you're on already. And because the gap is going to sort of increase between the sort of conscious and the unconscious. Now, that being said... Ultimately, the beautiful thing about unconsciousness is if you play it all the way out, you become so unconscious and you suffer so much that it sort of wakes you up from that unconsciousness and makes you conscious, right? So it's like having a dream. It's like falling asleep at night. Your unconsciousness leads you to fall asleep. The falling asleep leads you to have a nightmare. When the nightmare gets bad enough, it wakes you up from your unconsciousness and you're therefore, right, um, you know, just cognizant again of the fact that you know you were never in danger nothing was ever going wrong it was a simulation it was a matrix all along it was a dream all along so again it depends on who you ask yes i would say that for vast majorities of folks it will get worse and worse and worse but that's where we intervene we can intervene on our own behalf and that's really what the work of living is and love is and happiness is um it's intervening on your own behalf my my problem is like I and and we've talked about this a lot on the show too is that like I'm not I'm not on the dating apps. It's well documented. I'm not on any dating apps. But it's not because I don't want to meet somebody in the way that people meet people now. It's more of like I don't know how to sell myself. And I and I do the love and I do the meditation. I really do do like the homework. I do homework. I mean, I got Project 369 right here. I do all the homework and I've been doing it for years, but it's me selling myself. I mean, I'm an actor. I do it every day. I do it every day. I don't want to have to do it to a, a potential spouse or a potential partner. I want that person to see me and enjoy me for who I am in the moment. But then like when you do these apps, you have to literally be like, here I am. Here's my song and dance. Like, pick me, pick me, pick me. You know, the, the, the things get lost in that, and I just don't know how to do it. You can hire somebody for that. Um, I mean, just hire that out, really. I mean, and I hear what you're saying, though. Like, you know, I'm not on the apps. You know, and people are always like, oh, why are you not on the apps? If there's a project coming up and I'm going to be required to provide some kind of expertise around the apps, I probably better get on the apps. So that's when I get on the apps. But generally, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not on the apps, man. It's just not for me. It doesn't feel authentic. Um, I've nothing against the apps, like go apps, you know, and go for, you know, go all people who are on apps. But for me, I just feel like I love meeting people in person. It's easy for me to meet people in person. You know, it just happens organically. I don't have to try, you know, there's an instant vetting process that happens. I hopefully, I think in a positive way but for the other people and hopefully for me. Um, and I just get to be authentic about it. So I totally hear you there, Rob. I think a lot of us, um, yeah. you know, have different perspectives on the apps, none of which are right. The only question is, does it work for you? Okay, if it works for you, keep it up. Um, but yeah, I would say that if you want to be on the apps and you want to increase the likelihood of meeting people with less time, energy, and effort, Rob was like, no, we're good there, Robert. No. <laughs> so, all right, fair enough. <laughs> but Jen, Jen, Jen is something, this is something I know he says a lot, but Jen is more 
we say that Jen is 70% head, 30% heart, and I'm 70% heart and 30% head. Rob, you don't know that I am not more heart. We talk about it on a weekly basis on how- how, come up with this percentage scale because you have judgments about the way I live. Well, I think you're 80% head. I'm giving you the benefit (laughs) of the doubt. It's like I rounded down. (laughs) Yeah. Because you do, you have a, you have like a list of things that you go into dates and you look for, you know what I mean? Like you're that apps work better for you. I feel because you know how to work the apps. Right. And then you can, you can figure out where the heart falls into there. Where like, I know how to work the heart and then I can figure out where the head falls into there at a later part. Does that make sense? Yes. And no, because in theory, the app should work if that were true, but people don't put profiles together that actually evoke any sort of romance. And so the, like, you're just trying to swipe to see what somebody is all about, but people sometimes put weird photos or they write weird things or they put nothing. And then you're like, what am I left to discover about you? Because there's nothing to jump off from this. And in theory, that's not how I would actually want this to be. I'd want people to write thoughtful things that triggered my heart that made me feel like, Oh, this person wants similar things. And they actually evoke emotion in me, not a list of criteria, but I can't find anything in these profiles. So I'm like, okay, can I, um, uncover from this image that they're into family because there's other people in this photo. Like what can I garner from this terrible set of information that I'm being presented with? And I think that's where I'm coming from, Robert, is that like, I want to stand out in the crowd and similarly to Rob feeling like, how do you market yourself? Like I want people to stop on me and actually look at what I have to say. But does that mean that I have to sell my soul and put like a bikini shot first or manipulate my images and erase all my lines and make myself skinnier or do what I have to do to stand out amongst these Instagram models and people that actually do change the way they look in images or lead with sex. And I am a person that would have sex. I will. I'm a sex person. (laughs) I'm a a sexual being. I want to do sex with somebody, but I'm not going to buy you a shirt. I'm going to buy you a shirt that says I'm a sex person. (laughs) That's great. Maybe that'll help. Maybe you wear that shirt on your profile picture and then that's no bikini needed. No bikini needed. There we go. Very over. But I'm not trying to lead with that. I want a partner and a husband and a family person and the whole thing that's going to, you know, be along for this ride and do fun shit together and have a good time. But I feel like how am I going to attract that if I am not being seen by people because they're swiping left because they're like, well, that girl's not an Instagram model. So do I sell my soul just to attract people and like be thumb stopping or do I just keep being authentic to who I am? Because I actually love who I am. And I think this is a good person over here that has a lot to offer. But again, maybe my place is Miami because they're like, Oh look, a real girl. There you go. (laughs) Boom. Exactly. I mean, I, I, and I feel that the struggle is real. The struggle is real. It's like, you know, yes, the app part of what I think most, a lot of folks feel challenged around with the apps. I know um, I have is that it can feel transactional as opposed to relational. Okay. And it can feel acquisitive. I didn't like the feeling of swiping, like I'm collecting people. I don't like that feeling. Like it's like, and then you start mm-hmm. to notice that you're not even swiping for the reason that you initially started swiping. It's like I was swiping initially, maybe to have a relationship for something relational or just to connect with someone, doesn't have to be relation, just to connect with somebody in an authentic way. And then quickly it becomes transactional and acquisitive. And then you're just collecting people to collect people kind of thing. It's weird. Right. So I didn't like that. Right. And um, that's ex- not the experience for everybody. To that point, though, and I hear you, which is like, please don't sell your soul. <laughs> we, we like the soul. Keep the soul. And I would say that, you know, one of the best things you can do just in general, both in real life and virtually on apps, is just, you know, make sure that the pictures you share have a Duchenne smile. So if you're wanting to attract people that just in general. So we know from positive psychology, the happier you are, the more attractive you're rated by other people. Right. So it could be two pictures of you. One where you're smiling, a Duchenne smile, which is an authentic smile, which you cannot fake. And another where you're not smiling, doesn't have to be a frown, but you're just not smiling. And most all people will rate the smiling picture as more attractive. Say, oh man, she's so much more attractive, so much more attractive. It's one of the best things you can do, right? The other thing is you want to try to make that experience and your profile in the app sort of, um, I don't want to call it just relatable, but you definitely want to make sure you're sort of in a relational sort of mindset coming from that relational perspective as opposed to a transactional one when you're creating the you know the profile and even when you're on there and swiping a little um and it's easy to get sort of slide down that slippery slope from you know relational to transactional 
but yeah, Duchenne smiles and being genuinely happy and trying to post pictures that you feel great about actually will often have a much better effect than just posting the picture that you feel looks great, but you don't feel great about. I love that. I love the relational versus transactional. That's such a, a clear way to think about it especially when you are putting yourself out there like that. Don't, don't you think Jen, like, do does that click anything in there? All I hear is now one more way for you to judge me. She's, he's going to be like, Jen's transactional. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will say that that is a transactional picture. That's a transactional statement. You just said. <laughs> oh brother. I'm so glad we added to your vocabulary today. <laughs> No, but it does make sense. It makes a lot of sense that those are the way people perceive it. Because when you break it down that simply, that's really all it is. That makes, that's, that's, I like that. That's very good. Exactly. So back to self-love, your book is all about finding it, you know, self-love from the inside out. So where does anybody begin and how do you even describe self-love? Because it seems like this enigma that people like say just because they're like, well, obviously I love myself, but what does it really mean? Yeah. So um, in the beginning, where you want to start is you want to start where it's easy. So the mistake I made, at least in my journey was like, I'm going to try to love all these things about myself that I don't actually love. And then I'd be like, why do I not love myself still? I've been doing my journal, my self-love you know, book or whatever, and it's not really helping. And so instead, you want to focus on those one or two things, hopefully it's more, things that you genuinely love and appreciate about yourself, okay? Just that simple. That's the first part. Often, people can even struggle with that. So you don't even necessarily need to focus on yourself right away. You can just simply focus on anything, anybody in the world that you feel genuine love and appreciation for or around, right? Just that. And then hopefully you move into being able to focus on the one or two or three things that you genuinely love about yourself. And you want to just sort of practice until it becomes a habit. Beginning it's hard. If you continue practicing, it becomes easy. You know, it takes about 22 to 66 days to begin to rewire your brain neuroplastically for, um, you know, this self-loving experience, so to speak, or this experience of self-love. And over time, what you'll find is that if you can kind of just keep your mind and eyes off of all the parts and things about yourself that you loathe, that you don't love so much. If you practice this self-love and just this loving way of looking at the world and your life and yourself, you'll turn back one day to look at these things that you thought and felt were always so unlovable. And you'll start to suddenly feel love and appreciation for them almost miraculously, sort of magically, right? So in the beginning for me, it was like, I like three things. I like that I'm trying this stupid self-love journal thing. And I love that I work hard and I like that I like people, whatever, you know, and I just want to get in and get out of there. And I just kept practicing it though. And mostly I just kept doing my best to not feed all the things about myself that I did not like, that I did not appreciate, that was working so hard to change. Just try not to feed that with fuel and with energy and with attention and just keep my focus on these other things that I did love. And it's kind of interesting the way it works because it starts to bleed. And so you start to have a more self-loving experience overall. um, And then it doesn't take so much work. That's the first answer. There's a deeper answer um, that we can talk about here in a second, um, but I'll stop there. No, you, you can well, talk about okay. it. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure. Yeah. So- I mean, also, I, I was just going to say though, it, it reminded me of things like you've said about yourself lately, Rob, about how you feel like you're not in like fighting. What is they call? What do they call that? Fighting something? Shape? Sure. Okay. Fighting shape. Is that yeah, 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 yeah. That's the whole thing. <laughs> That's the whole thing. <laughs> um, so you don't feel like you're in fighting shape to go out and start dating. And you're like, if I'm not going to, you know, date me, why would somebody else? And it feels like that might be something that you want to avoid and focus on other things that you do actually like about yourself, because then maybe you would stop beating yourself up. I don't really beat myself up. I mean, I don't, I mean, look, I, um, am I trying to get back into shape? Yes. Am I trying to get, yeah, but I'm trying, I don't walk out of the house every day and be like, nobody look at me. I'm hideous. Turn your eyes. I just think that I need, I, if like I'm expecting somebody to be putting their best foot forward, I also want to be putting my best foot forward. And I'm not, I don't feel like I'm, I have my best foot forward right now. So I'm taking the time to get back. And, you know, I also had a very hard year emotionally. So I'm trying to put everything together into like a nice little tidy package that hopefully I can present to somebody someday. But like, you know, if, if, no, if, if somebody comes into my life and I'm like this now, I'm not going to be like, no, 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 no. Detour, detour, go that way. Don't come over here yet. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But like, you know, I'm, I'm just trying in the meantime, before that happens, to just better myself as much as possible. That's all. I, I do love that so much, Rob. And I will say 
obviously there's incredible value in that. You want to, you know, return to the dating market, whatever, whenever you feel ready, right? And there's um, sort of an additional caveat that we could add for some folks, for some folks, which is that I think lots of us get into this um, place and space where we prioritize self-improvement over self-acceptance and self-approval you know, and self-love, right? And we want to be careful of that. You know, most of us think, well, if I totally self-approved like, of myself and accepted myself and loved myself, would I keep improving myself? But the truth is, interestingly enough, that if you prioritize self-improvement over self-acceptance, you will always continue to improve yourself and never actually enjoy or accept or love yourself. But if you can prioritize mm. the self-acceptance over the self-improvement, not only will you accept and approve and love yourself, but you'll find that you start to change in the ways you've always desired in a much more effective and efficient and enjoyable way. It's kind of like a miracle of all miracles. It's like when you accept yourself or what you accept is suddenly transformed into something extraordinarily beautiful, right? And so anyway, mm -hmm. something to keep in mind too. Um, I know, Rob, you don't struggle, brother, good looking and uh, smart, obviously, and funny and very talented. So, and that being said, it's always nice to remember that, you know, we're going to want to improve ourselves for our entire lives. And if that's always our top priority, it'll be very difficult to feel true self-love or true happiness that way. Mm, good that point. That makes a lot of sense. Like also just being present. And I wonder though, when it comes to acceptance, if people take it a little too far when they say things like, well, I just am who I am, accept me as, accept me as I am. But it's almost when they say it like that, it's a cop out for not improving themselves and they use it in a backwards way. Where do you draw the line there? And how do you say to somebody like, well, no, actually you should improve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I, I generally don't meddle in that. I was simply, yeah, I just, yeah, I just simply say, is it working for you? If it's working there for are you. women killing their husbands out there, Robert. <laughs> there are women killing their husbands and going to wine country. That's right. Don't meddle in that's right. I don't want to be an accomplice. I don't want to be an accomplice. I, yeah, I would say that, um, yes, it's such a great point. And if it works for you, keep it up. You know, if it's getting you what you want, you're in the relationship you want, you're, you know, in the body you want and or you're happy. Most of all, if you're happy, I can't and I won't knock it. It's like, but just make sure that you're like lastingly and meaningfully and abidingly happy or joyful. And it's not just a put on. Right. And, and I think that's part of the other point of this sort of conversation, which is that when we talk about self-love, most of us assume that we know what we're talking about, that we understand the territory that we're trying to cover. But the truth is, is that we haven't really defined our terms, not in terms of this conversation, but like, you know, globally, like what does it mean to truly love yourself? And I would argue that, you know, in some ways, all of us really, all that we, any of us really knows is self-love, but it's just not, it's not directed intelligently or wisely. Meaning like you can eat the bag of potato chips and we might say, that's not self-love. Eating healthy food is self-love. But it's like we do everything we do really just because we love ourselves so much, right? Even if it's getting the Botox or whatever. So there's that argument. We just want to do it as intelligently as possible, right? And then there's another deeper level, which essentially is like in terms of defining the terms themselves. It's like, what, is it, what does love mean? But also, what is this self that we talk about? And I don't want to get too abstract or esoteric, but the idea is like we mostly think of the self as myself, as a mind and a body, but there's something that's aware of the mind, it's aware of the body. And as long as you identify yourself with just a mind and just a body, you're going to always be unhappy. You will always suffer in one way or the other because, you know, most of us, well, all of us are just getting older. And, you know, that means certain things happen. Um, they don't have to happen. They don't have to happen, you know, super fast and always in negative ways. But I think every case of unhappiness and lack of love and lack of self love is a case of mistaken identity. Oh. Preach. I love wow. it. I love it. Wow. Yeah. You live here on this show. <laughs> I'm so in. I love you guys so much. You have no idea. I'm like really genuinely like uplifted and I feel so inspired just having the conversation. You all have such great rapport. Um, I, I, I feel the same way <laughs> too, hey. but you guys, you guys, you guys should get together in Miami. Oh, I'm, I'm so just going to throw it out there. So down. Take same. her. Take I her. will be there in May. All right. Yeah. And then, report, and then we'll have you back on after your trip to Miami. We'll have you back on. We'll talk about, you know, maybe you can see what Jen's like in the wild. <laughs> in the wild. With this little field study. <laughs> yeah. With a little field study. Oh, I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Like, that would be amazing. She's like, that's just what I need. More people observing, judging. It's been awesome having you on here, Rob. It's like, it's, it's, it's been refreshing, but it's also been enlightening. So we, I appreciate it. I really, really do. 
Um, and I'm excited for you two to get together in Miami. Yes. And, uh, and do a little field test. That's going to be great. <laughs> but, um, but Rob, tell us where we can find you. Tell us all the books that are out there. Tell us all the, the podcasts that you're doing. Tell us about all the, the um, uh, websites that we can find you on. All the stuff so everybody can get all this genius. Because I'm sure people are going to listen to this podcast. It's going to end. They're going to be like, wait, I have more questions. So, like, uh, you know, <laughs> people are going to want to know more about what you have to say because i'm i'm already you know wanting more but tell us uh, so uh, first of all so thank you for that i fully received that I had to work on receiving and receive that and please know i genuinely sincerely appreciate like not only what you all do i mean that but how you do it and who you are truly like i have shivers this entire conversation because i just feel like a genuine soul connection so seriously thank you for that it's not easy doing what you all do you all make it look easy that's how you know it's spectacular truly so thank you for that um I um, you can thank you. Welcome. That's amazing for you to say thank you so much. I'm, I'm taking that with me for the rest yeah. of the week. That's true. <laughs> thank man. you. That's from the heart. True. Um, yeah, so thank you. you're welcome. Um, so you can find me at my website at coachrobmack.com. You can find me on most social media platforms, probably most consistently and notably Instagram at robmackofficial. And you can find my first book, Happiness from the Inside Out, with a Ford by Vanessa Williams. And the second book, Love from the Inside Out, everywhere great books are sold, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Amazing. Thank you again. I mean, I'm just stuck on what you said about us. And I think that sparked so much joy. So everyone, obviously, you've listened to this episode. Keep tuning in to It's Complicated, where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff. And while you're there, please subscribe, rate, comment, and share it with a friend. Spread the wealth. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. And you can find me at Jennifer Golden on all the social meds. And you can find me at Forever's Evers, F-O-R-E-V-E-R-S, E-V-O-R-S on Instagram. Guys, thank you so much and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to It's Complicated. And now that we're going steady, come back next week for another date with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers. <laughs>